Glenn. Jacob. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, man. Uh, there's something I need to talk about before we even go on. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. I seen this thing on, on Facebook today, and I want to know if you've seen it. Okay. I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm struggling to process it. Okay. So it's called LARPing. LARPing. Yeah. So live action role playing. Yeah. Have you seen that? I think I have. Is that where they dress up and they pr- uh, do a battle or something? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They, they dress up. So you basically, the idea is it's a game, a live action game. Yeah. And you create a character. Yeah. You create a costume and then you attend events that sometimes go for a couple of days and you play out like a live game. Right. But anyway, I was just, I was confronted this morning because I was watching this video and there are a lot of people at this event in Sydney. Oh, okay. Like thousands of people. Where is it? Got, I don't know. <laughs> Should we go? Should we go? That's what I want to ask. <laughs> like, I, it I would be an interesting experiment. So get this, right? Yeah. Grown people dressing up, right? And then there's this big field. Yeah. And they're all just hitting each other. With what? Like punching each other? No, they've got like one had an axe, like swords. Like <laughs> I think they're fake, obviously. But they're hitting each other and then they're fake dying on this piece of grass. It's yeah. kind of like, imagine like, you know, when you watch a movie and there's like these big battles. Yeah. It's like that, but people are fake dying and fake okay. fighting. <laughs> I, d- I didn't know how to interpret it. Well, what do you mean? How do you find yourself at one of these events? Fine. Well, I, it probably starts from online gaming, right? Does it? I think so. I would imagine so. It's got to be the same people. Are we going to try it? I feel like I feel like we need to experience this to see like what are these people like? I don't know if I can fake die with any real <laughs> conviction. I want to know how long they lay on the grass. Yeah. Cuz in this video they, there's just all these people strewn across the the grass. Yeah. Like how long do they like call all right time out? We're done here? <laughs> yeah. What happens if somebody hits you and then they're like I killed you and you're like nah man. Like, what are the rules? Are the rules? Oh, that sounds highly disrespectful to the ethics and the moral fibre of LARPing. Yeah. All right. I, <laughs> I need to know if, if you know someone and you're listening to this that does LARPing, yeah. we need to speak to one of these people. Yeah. No, I just need to understand. I think the thing with LARPing is if you did go to try it out and you got bored, you just fake die. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're definitely going to explore this on an episode. I just want to I want to interview someone that's a professional LARPer just so that we can understand this, right. and maybe we can go to an event and actually talk to some people. Because yeah, it really sparked my curiosity today. Mind fake killing someone. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today on the episode, we're speaking with Phil Buzz Rothfield, who yep. has been doing sports journalism for forty five years. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy watching him on NRL three hundred and sixty. As I said to him on the podcast, he's the calm one, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. I'll tell you what, he gets attacked a few times. I love it. Um, mm. I think he's a great man. Some really interesting topics covered today. So I'm really excited to uh, share this this interview. There's also some breaking news. Oh, breaking retirement news on Phil Buzz Rothfield. Yeah, we dropping, a, dropping it hot. Is Absolutely. That, is that how they say it in the biz? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we've got, we've got some breaking news. Breaking news to end the episode. Yeah. Love it. Let's get into it. Let's go. Buzz, 45 years as a sports journalist, huh? Yeah. Yeah, hey. long time, mate. A lot of changes. Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a, a sports journalist? Oh, look, growing up, I had a dream to be a sports journalist. Really? Yeah, yeah. From what did. age? Oh, look, a sports journal, a sports commentator. 
I just loved sport and I thought, wow, what a, to get the best seat in the house, to get a press pass, to, you know, to, to meet the stars and to relay, you know, to be a pipeline from, you know, footy to the fans. Yeah, well. I just thought it'd be unreal. It was hard to get work to get it there, though, because oh, yeah? I, was, I was very ordinary at school. <laughs> Were you I, good at writing? Oh, it's okay, but I just didn't work at school. Yeah. You know, I only got my, in those days, it was called a school certificate. So yep. I only went to year 10. Okay. Then dropped out of school. Um, And, you know, today I wouldn't have the qualifications to get anywhere near the business. Yeah, really? So, so what do you have to do look, these days? Well, I'll, I'll just tell you back then when yeah, I started, I, um, I, I still moved from Newcastle to where I went to school to Sydney when I was, what, 17. Yep. And I applied for a job at the Telegraph. I actually failed the spelling test there. <laughs> really? Yeah. So um, <laughs> it didn't all go well. You know, there was no um, there was no word. What are they called? Autocorrect? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, really? In those days, we were on typewriters. So, wow. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, you had to be able to spell. Um, so I went and got a job um, at the motor registry. I, I went and um, – uh, what's it called, uh, the Commonwealth Employment Service. Yep. And they got me an apprenticeship as a motor mechanic. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So I I was working there for three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Then I applied for the job at News Corp, failed my spelling test, worked for another four weeks at the service station. I was in overalls and doing wow. grease and oil changes and putting petrol in the cars, you know, drive-by attendant. And then the paper rang me again for some reason and said, oh, look, there are some other jobs that, you know, in different areas of the building. So I started basically in the mail room there. Okay. I was delivering newspapers around the building and I was just harassing people all the time, telling them I wanted to be a journal. And so I kept sitting for, you know, uh, they had cadetships, like traineeships in those days, and they'd yep. have exams for those. And the spelling improved and I got a cadetship, you know. Amazing. Yeah. So how so, old were you at that time? Um, 17. Yeah. So pretty young. Yeah, seventeen. Living so, on my own in twenty two dollars oh, really? a week in Coogee, left my family, yeah. So you were from Newcastle? Yeah, Newcastle. So why yeah. are you a shark supporter? Oh, uh, the first grand final I covered was nineteen seventy eight. I joined News Corp at the end of seventy six and uh, I was a copy boy and as I said, working in the mailroom there for a while. But I got my cadetship in seventy eight and uh that year the grand final Replay was on a Tuesday afternoon at the Sydney Creek Ground. I can still clearly remember being there. Yeah, wow. It was a draw on the Saturday. The Kangaroos were going away to England on the Thursday, so they replayed the game on the Tuesday. And I just felt a bit sorry for Cronulla, to be honest. They got beaten. Manly won, I think it was five games in 14 days to win the comp. Yeah, wow. I sort of fell in love with the Sharks then, you know. And, and uh, yeah, the Knights weren't around. So, you know, in Newcastle when I was there. So. Yeah, true. Yeah, so I've always loved the Sharkies. And, and now you're in Cronulla. Yeah, now I'm in Cronulla, yeah. Was that strategic so you can go to more games? Or? No, not really. <laughs> My wife was from the Shire, married a Shire girl and um, eventually moved down here, yeah. Wow. So what's been the biggest change in, um, you know, journalism over the last 45 years? Oh, where do you want to start, you know? Like I started in hot metal days and, you know, there were um, – you know, it's the typewriters and, you know, rattly old printing. printing I just can't print. imagine doing it on a typewriter. Like, what happens if you make a mistake? Oh, you, you start again? You just start again, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Did you ever uh, have a, a case where you, like, written a whole 
piece and then oh, made a mistake? Oh, we used to write a couple of paragraphs on each sheet okay. and then, you know, gradually compile it. But look, technology, particularly over the last 20 years, you know when they bought in computers mm. and I think it was around the early 80s, we got them in newspapers. We actually went on strike about them. You went on strike? Can you believe it? <laughs> we went on a month-long strike. A month long? Because we had to get retrained to work computers. So you guys just wanted to stay on, on typewriters? Oh, I don't know if we wanted to stay on typewriters, but we thought we're going to be cutting out a lot of jobs with these computers. Uh, okay. And people, and, oh, oh, to this day, I can't work out how we got away. We didn't work for a month. Did, so were the, papers not printed or...? Sorry. Were they still printing papers? Yeah, they they bought in management and they were putting a paper out each week and we put out our own newspaper. We uh, got some printing presses and for a month we were producing and we wow. hired some Avis trucks and got them delivered and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, no, they were interesting days. Um, but everything's changed now. Mm. Um, we used to go to work. You know, like we didn't work on the phone as much. You had to get out and about because you mm. could never get anyone otherwise. Yeah, true. Like, you know, t- these days when they announce an NRL team, it'll just come straight in on your email. Mm. In the old days, we used to – Harry Bath was coaching St. George, 77 and 79, they won the premiership. To get a St. George team into Wednesday's paper, I used to have to track Harry Bath down at Hurstville Bowling Club. <laughs> He'd never come to the phone for me because I was a young reporter. Yeah. So I'd use someone else's name. He'd come to the phone, give me the team, we'd get into the paper. <laughs> now it just all comes an email. Yeah. But it's just changed remarkably. Do you think for the better? Oh, yeah. Look, one of the not so nasty well, – one of the nastier things about sport now is when I started, there was no TV coverage of rugby league. Channel 7 on Sunday nights used to do a 60-minute replay. That's all they did. Radio, 2UE, 2KY, 2GB used to around the grounds and flash scores at every game. So people turned to newspapers Mm. on Monday mornings to get their match reports, and they were a blow-by-blow description of each game. Wow. Then television, the Super League war happened, and we got this saturation coverage. So by the time people picked their paper up on a Monday morning, they'd seen it all. They'd mm. heard it all. They'd had the coaches' press conferences. So newspapers were stale by Monday morning. So we had to dig into other areas and go through the back door rather than the front door mm. to tell people what was going on behind the scenes. So you if you pivot. understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that led to gossip columns and, you know, sex tape stories and – um, you know, all the nasty stuff you see in the papers now, you know. But in this day of social media and on the internet, that's all people want to read. Mm. The scandal stories and all the rubbish gets click after click after click. I can write the most beautiful story these days about a player who's done something good and charity, gone up to visit people in hospital. No one wants to read it. It doesn't mm. get any clicks. Well, wow. It's quite sad, actually. Yeah, it tells you something about society, doesn't it? Oh, it does, yeah. Yeah, it does. It's uh, it's quite sad, actually. The, But that's the way it is now. And to, as a, the electronic media do such a great job. You've seen Fox Sports coverage. Oh, it's amazing. 
You saw them in the South Sydney dressing room the other night after they had that remarkable win over the what West Tigers. Did yeah. you see Wayne Bennett carrying yeah. on with the players <laughs> yeah. and pumping his fist? And, yeah, and then acting coy in the uh, the press conference. Yeah. So by Monday morning, what's there to tell about that game? It's been analysed by all their experts. All their, <laughs> They've got journalists on the sideline now mm. who give them up-to-minute news, breaking news on – Play gets a hamstring twinge, you know. We know about it five minutes later. Mm. So there's a real challenge there for newspapers to stay relevant and to entice people to go into a news agent and pick the paper up like they used to mm. or to buy a website subscription mm. to um, – and that that's where we've got to keep finding this unique content away from the traditional way of covering sport. So how do you go about finding content like that? Oh, look – Look, in my favour is the fact I've been around 45 years and I've got mm. a lot of contacts. And in my telephone, there's, oh, God, there's a couple of thousand phone numbers there, you know, and the people I've built up trust with over a very long period of time who will tell me stuff they won't tell others. Mm. Um, some of it's, or a lot of it's off the record. Some of it, you know, I'm allowed to print. Okay. But that's, that's how it works. So is there ever circumstances where you get a story and you don't want to post it or you're worried about a relationship? Oh, there's lots of those stories and people don't realise. I reckon I've probably saved the careers of more than a dozen football players in the NRL by choosing not to write stories on them. Wow. And, look, I can take you through one without mentioning any names. Yeah, please. Um a football player who'd been in a bit of trouble for a while um, was out with a couple of mates. I'm not even going to tell you what suburb it was. Yeah. It was in a hotel. And the security guys knew, you know, he was a troubled footballer. He'd been on the punt. He'd lost his family. He'd done drugs before. But the security guard tried to take advantage of it. He said to the player and his mate, let's go upstairs and we'll do a line of coke. So the player, you know, had been in the pub all day, went upstairs and as he was taking the cocaine, the security guard took his photo. Can you believe? It's horrible. Disgraceful. And the security guard then threatened to take it to the media. Instead, the player talked him in going to uh, an official at the club and the club paid $30,000 to... Kill the photo. Bloody hell. Um, would have been a front-page story for me, you know, but I, it just wasn't right. It would have mm. ended the player's career given his past. Mm. And you get those sort of things happening all the time, but, you know, you just don't want to do that to players. Look, mm. journos like me can get a bad rap in rugby league, you know, for some of the stuff we do print. Well, it's hard because you're trying to do your job, right? Well, that's our job, our, our job. You know, obviously we've got to have relationships with people. We've, we've got to be on side with the managers. We've got to be on side with the players, chief executives, the NRL administration. We've also got a job to do. Mm. Our job, first and foremost, is to inform the punters, the people who pay money for our product. Because the day we stop doing that, they're going to stop buying us. Mm. And I might as well retire. So you've got to, you know, you've, you've just got to draw a line. And, look, if it is going to affect someone's career, if it is going to see these rubbed out of the game, if he does have a family, if he does have kids, if he does need money, put food on the table, you drop off. 
Mm. You just don't do it. And that player knows, you know, next time there's a story going around, he'll come to you and say, oh, you won, and, you know, he'll give me another good story another day. Yeah, well. But um, it happens quite regularly. Yeah, so it would be a good book when I retire, <laughs> 101 stories I could never tell. Yeah, well. But but a lot of people have to be dead by the time I wrote that <laughs> it, It's It's a fact of the game, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes you doubt yourself, am I doing the right thing? What would another journalist do with that story, you know? Mm. But that's the way I prefer to operate. Yeah. And it's hard work because every Sunday I've got to produce about 28 items for What's the Buzz. Then on the Monday, for Monday Buzz, I've got to produce another 15 items. So you can't bury everything you've got. Yeah. You, you, you've still got to keep it readable. Like, that's the best real estate in Australian sports writing, that double page I get. Yeah. Other journos would kill for So I, I can't fill it up with public relations fluff. Mm. It's got to be good content. It's got to be juicy. It's got to think, you know. And every week, is that tiring to, oh, to come up with? You think of that every year. That That's, what, 45 a week um, over a year. That's a couple of thousand items. But, you know, it's it's a tough business. Do you enjoy it still? Yeah, I do. A lot of pressure, though, because yeah. um, I'm up against um, some really good journos. Yeah. Like I wrote Danny Widelick. Channel 9, Sun Hill, very highly. Yep. So i got to wake up Sunday morning and I fear what he's got. Has he got anything better than me? Then I go up against Chamis on Monday mornings, outstanding young journalist. Mm. And, you know, I've got to be at my A-grade game every day to make sure I compete with them or, and try and beat them. It's making hard me feel stressed. Hey? <laughs> You're making me feel stressed. Well, you know, I'm not getting any younger, so I've been around a long time. But yeah. I'd like to think I've built – trust with the key people in rugby league. So as long as you don't burn someone, and I've spoken about that before, you know, as, as long as people know that you're not going to dud them. and You know, but it's hard not to have enemies in the game too. You do write a lot of stories that do offend people. So there are some people out there who don't like me and I don't have a problem with that, you know. I you know, particularly in the days of social media, all these keyboard bloody heroes, you know. And you cop a lot of it. I was going to ask you about that. You know, I follow you yeah, on Twitter and there's a, a lot of uh, yeah, nasty comments on there. Yeah, people tell me that, but I don't actually see it because anyone nasty, anyone swears, any bad language, I just block them. Mm. I've got 87, 88,000 followers. I'd say 90% of them are fine. Yep. And they're just there. They're not there because they're there for a new service. They're there because they want to know what's going on. Mm. And I love the interaction with them, the, the, the good people there. But the people mm. who are nasty, I just block them. I don't yeah. see them. As far as I'm concerned, they don't exist. They're horrible, horrible people. I, I see trolling on uh, social media all yeah, the Twitter's time. really bad for it as oh, well. It's a sewer. Not just you, but just everyone. No, it is. And... Um, but if people want to be nasty, they lose the news service. Mm. You know, they can go somewhere else and see if anyone else can inform them. And, you know, so they're the losers. Mm. I, it does not worry me one bit. I worry because I've got young kids. They're both on social media and they see a bit of it. And, you know, it's upsetting for them, but, you know. So what would your advice be to, to other people that are copying a lot of trolls on, uh, on Twitter and other social oh, platforms? My advice would be... Do the best you can to ignore it. Block the nasty people. 
and just keep doing it because if you pull out, you 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 know they win. Mm. So just you know try and be strong. Ignore it and block. You know mm. that's my advice. That's great. So what does a normal week look like for you, Buzz? Oh, normal week. What do you have to watch every game? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Live or do you just watch it when you I can? I try to watch every game live. So on. Um, let's start on Mondays. Monday's my busiest day. Okay. Because um, well, the weekend's my busiest, but on Monday I'm, I'm just chasing stories for the newspaper and I do radio at um, 7 o'clock in the morning on the big sports breakfast then chase stories and the day finishes about 8 o'clock at Fox Sports. Yeah, because you do NRL 360 yeah, as well. Yeah, NRL 360. So you do radio in the morning. Yeah. And then NRL 360 yeah, at night. Yeah. And all jobs take prep. You just can't walk in. Of course. You know, ex-players can because they've got a greater knowledge of the actual sport than I do, and yep. uh, particularly the modern game. So what I've got to do to be relevant on television and radio is do a lot of homework, a lot of research. So when I get on there, what I'm saying is useful, yep. valuable information, great anecdotes. So, yeah, I get up at 6 o'clock on Monday mornings, do my research for radio, jump on there at 7 o'clock for half an hour. Then I try and break a story for our internet or Tuesday's paper, duck over to Fox Sports. I try to take Tuesday, Wednesday off, but you never take a day off <laughs> because yeah. um, your mobile phone's always going and the moment you don't answer a phone call the moment you miss a story. Mm. I've got a funny story there. I had a problem with my heart about oh would have been 15, 20 years ago. Okay. And uh, I was quite crooked there for a while, but a couple of years later I had to go back into hospital for a checkup. And the nurse said to me, look, it's an important procedure having turned your mobile phone off. And I said, I never turn my mobile phone off. It's my job. She said, no, the doctor would prefer if you turn your mobile phone off for 24 hours. So anyway, I turn it back on the next morning and beep, beep, beep. And anyway, it turned out it was Steve Waugh, the Australian cricket camera uh, captain's manager, who was trying to ring me and give me the scoop that Waugh had been sacked from Australia's one-day team and lost the captaincy. Wow. So by that time, that's when Al, he was on Alan Jones's show, breaking the story then, Steve Waugh was. So that was the front-page story for the Telegraph that I missed because I had my bloody phone off. Uh, wow. And it's I've never had it off since. <laughs> it's, it sleeps beside me, you know. Are you able to get any rest? Oh, yeah, I get rest, yeah. yeah. What do you do to rest and, and recharge? Uh, I've got a boat. I love getting out on uh, Port Hacking. Yeah, nice. Shire. Um, play a little bit of golf. Got some great mates. Got a coffee club. We meet two or three times a week. Yeah, cool. Got young kids still. Knock around with them, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, but it's hard work, I tell you. But anyway, <laughs> back to my week. Yes. I try to get Tuesday, Wednesdays off. Thursdays I go and do my own podcast at the Telegraph. Yep. Can I give that a plug here? Absolutely. With Adam Wobbs and Michael Karianis. What's sure it called? Rates. Just Telegraph Sport Rugby League Podcast. Cool. It, it's good fun. Then I start work on my Sunday column on Thursdays, just making phone calls. Fridays I write Sunday's column, start writing it. It can take two days to write. Saturdays, I'm in the office all day doing production for the Sunday Telegraph, starting to prepare Monday's column. Sundays, I watch the football, you know, and keep writing and writing and, you know, for Monday buzz, yeah. Yeah, wow. And does your wife like uh, footy as much as you? It's an interesting story. 
and okay. it's a really good example to all rugby league clubs. Okay. My wife had absolutely no interest in rugby league, none whatsoever, when we met and we got married. Wouldn't been tell a fullback from a front rower. <laughs> then um, when my daughter got to about five, I said, you want to come to the footy? I used to just go to my own, you know, or yep. go with some mates. So I took my daughter to the footy. And I think it was the day Benji Marshall ripped up the Cronulla Sharks down okay. here. We were sitting in the Peter Burns stand. She was more into ice creams and the food and all that sort of thing. But we're walking home and she said, look, can we go next week? So she loved it. And anyway, she's been going to the footy with me ever since. Wow. And then when my son was born, he got about the same age, five, and he said, oh, look, Dad, can I come to the footy? I said, sure. And like he was into the ice cream and the hot dogs and but fell in love with footy. Then my wife, who had absolutely no interest, was sitting at home on her own on Sunday afternoons, said, I'm going to come too. I've got nothing to do. <laughs> wow. So my wife started coming. So the whole family, we ended up getting a family season pass. We've been members for 15 years now. And the whole family loves rugby league. Wow. Just from that one early experience. And it's a lesson for all rugby league clubs. If you can put on a good game day experience, make it easy to get a feed, make it easy to get a beer, make it family friendly, halftime entertainment, you'll win families like mine over. Mm. It's a great day out. So I tell that story to officials a bit, you know. Oh, that's fantastic. How the game won an average family, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Agree. And what do you make of the new rules? Yeah, I like them. Yep. I like them, yeah. And anyone who tells you there's too much fatigue in the game, tell them to go and watch a replay 82nd minute Tom Burgess scoring. Mm. 82nd minute, biggest man on the field. It's true. Tell them to watch the Penrith Storm game up at Penrith Park, last seconds of play. Willie, uh, Billy Kickow on the deck. Excuse my voice, I've got a bit of a cold. No, that's all right. Um, Billy Kickow on the deck, climbs to his feet, last minute of the game, runs to the corner and gets his hand under the football. Mm. These are two of the biggest units in rugby league. And I know they've had their interchange, but if they've still got the energy to be saving and winning games. It, yeah, Tom, Tommy Burgess was unbelievable. Yeah. Just powered through. Yeah, but you saw what Kickow did too, didn't you? Kick out when he uh, saved the try? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was on the ground. He jumped up. He wasn't fatigued. It's true. Do you think there's more injuries because of the rules? Oh, look, that's still a debate to have, you know. Mm. I think we need um, better research um, over a longer period of time. Five weeks is, you know, is – I think all training will be adjusted to cope with these new rules and the new type of athlete you need. Yeah, to um to cope with the demands of the game, but I'm sure there's great sports science around. Yeah, you know they they're getting better all the time, and you know they're learning from what's happening in the NFL and the Premier League, and yeah, concussions is another interesting discussion. I think yeah, it's a big story, big story. Because yeah, it's been a story for some time, right? How long have you been thinking about concussions in the game? Oh, concussions, particularly with players my age now and, you know, the dementia that they're getting. And athletes are getting bigger, faster, more powerful, stronger. So what that means, the collisions are far greater. So a head knock on a Richter scale that might have been a 4 out of 10 in the 70s and 80s 
It's dead set now, an eight out of ten. Mm. It really is. These blokes are monsters. Yeah. And I did a story a couple of years ago. I got the playing weights of players back in the 70s and 80s compared to what they are now. The average front rower, someone like John O'Neill, he weighed 95 kilos. He was regarded as a big, big, tough front rower. Today they're 120, 122. Yeah. You know, Mitchell Pearce, a halfback, weighs more than his dad did as a lock forward. It's unbelievable. You know, edge forwards used to weigh 86, 87, 88 kilos. And a lot of them weren't and fit back in the day either, like as fit, no. you know, like they were kind of had a bit of but a gut or something. that's what I'm saying. The yeah. collisions these days are far greater. Mm. And, yes, their bodies and they can cope with bigger collisions because they're more muscled up and rather than doing a couple of laps of the field and having a training session. They're full-time professional athletes. Yep. But there's nothing that will – you can't build brain or padding around your head. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And so concussion is an enormous issue. Well, what are parents going to think? Well, exactly. Do you think it's affecting grassroots or uh, the concussions? Junior participation numbers, there was no footy last year because of COVID. Yep. But they've come back well. Okay. You know, they've come back well. But unless the NRL go down as hard as they are and do everything possible to protect the players and, you know, have the doctors on board, sports science on board, we won't have a game in 20 years. Mm. I'm telling you that. And we've got to ensure the safety of the players. And the, you think they're doing you enough? Know, there's no sport on the planet like this. Can you think of anything? Like you look at an NFL, NFL game. You yes. tell me how long Tom Brady would last as an NRL player. How long do you think? I don't know. <laughs> what, yeah. How long would a running back last? In the, how many runs does a running back have in an NFL game? Well, they just got a, a big break between each play. I think that's the difference, you know. Well, they don't cope with the fatigue that rugby league players do. Yeah. When you get fatigued, you make bad decisions too. Mm. There was nothing like rugby league on this planet. Nothing. So I said to the NFL boys... They could have one or two touches a game. I'm not talking yeah. Brady. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But our boys are at it 80 minutes, tackle by tackle, hit by hit, run by – mate. And we're taking scrums and things out now and stopping the clock more. Yeah. It's crazy. It's great I to watch, it. though. Yeah. Oh, it's the most spectacular game. Has your passion increased over, over the years for it or have you always been passionate about it? I've always loved rugby league, but – I'm just as passionate now. Like I'm a mug watching the game on television. I will not go to a corporate suite. I will not sit in a press box these days. Why is that? I pay for my own ticket. Yep. I'll sit out there with the punters or my family. I will yell and scream. <laughs> I will boo the referee and that's what I love. Yeah. And I get a lot of stories out there because I'm sitting around people who are really affected by decisions, by mm. judiciaries and player transfers mid-season and, I can, you know, bag Cronulla if there's a person like I saw at Cogger Oval the other day who had to leave the game because the FPOS wasn't working. Why wasn't it working? Mm. You know, a couple of families left that game at half time. They were starving. They had kids screaming. They couldn't Where get was a this? drink Cogra. at Cogger. Wow. There was another idiot outside working for security who was saying, sell that game, he's sold out. Apparently the computers crashed. He thought it was sold out. I walked in, there was 8,000 empty seats. 
So yeah. unless I'm sitting out with the people, I can't report this stuff. Yeah. No point me being in a press box because all these people who work for websites go, Bim, they just put it straight out, you know. I'd rather go different directions. So you don't go to press conferences at all? What's the point? i got a good question. Why should I ask it and let everyone get the answer? Mm. Bloody waste of time. I, I would rather ring a coach five minutes after full time. He'll pick it up. Yep. You know, if something controversial's happened or. And they'll pick it up five minutes after the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, bloody oath. Yeah. Yeah. They won't do it for any. No, I'm not being a smart ass here, but no. I know most of them very well. Yep. I've known them all since they were players. You know, and so you grow up with these people. Yeah. Your connections in rugby league, like I tell young reporters coming in from university graduate, and they get sent to cover state parliament, that's their round. I said, look, forget about getting to know Gladys. All the senior political writers are mates with Gladys. Go in on the second rung. Go and find someone, the young pollies who are on the way up. Go and get in sweet with them. So when they become the senior ministers, mate, you've got them. Yeah, they're, so they're start early, your, plant seeds and things. Same with your police reporter. Mm. Go and meet the young cops, the cops on the way up. Forget about Mick Fuller. Mark Murray and Kate McClymer have got the police commissioner. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. think long term and... Build your contacts with the younger people. A lot of the people I've got now, I've known since they were my age coming into the game, mm. you know? Yeah, I think that's good advice across the board, not just journalism. Yeah. It's sad, though, because in the old days, I used to go to Penrith to cover a game of rugby league on a Saturday, and I'd get home on a Tuesday. I'd be at the club with them for two nights. <laughs> you know, Mark Guy, Greg Alexander, John Cartwright. We used to, there was a hotel at Penrod stayed there. Wow. There was this great trust between journos and players. The stories I used to get and write later in the week. and That's really broken now, down now, isn't it? You can't get the players now because it's all press conferences. You've got to go through their managers. And the PR people at the clubs, sadly they're in sort of protection mode all the time. They think their job is to protect the players from the media rather than spin the media some good stories. Mm. They're always on regard, you know, trying to and, – and that's a really bad attitude. Do you think that's warranted? I said it to Trent Robinson once. Yep. I said, Sydney should be celebrating your football side and your back-to-back premierships and the Sonny Bill Williamses and the Cooper Cronk elements and the, you know, the Sam Walker just arriving and Joseph Suwali. Suwali so arrives there. They media ban him. They're trying to convince the NRL he's old enough, wise enough to play. They're trying to sell off season memberships. Mm. They won't let him talk, you know? But you got an interview with him, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Was but, he guarded in that interview? Or? No, he was a nice young fella, just raw, green, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice young fella. So do you think that can change the relationships between media and, and the clubs? Oh, yeah, but, you know, clubs are just set in their ways and the people they have a point that most of the clubs are very junior in PR and they're yeah. told what to do and the coaches run the media department really they decide really? oh yeah they do yeah coaches have too much power you know they really do wouldn't be a fun job though would it being a coach oh it's hard work 
Because I mean, yeah, they know. age worse than old journos. <laughs> you know, they do. Because there's three weeks in, there's you know articles about who's who's under the most pressure. Yeah, like, there's oh, not no. many jobs that are like that. No, no, there's not. No, Could, like imagine um, they had that for journalists. You're or, always right that um, a coach trying to get a home loan, a young coach trying to tell a bank that you're an NRL coach. <sighs> you know what? He's going to wipe you out. He won't give you a penny. There is absolutely no security in it till you get to Bellamy or Hasler or Robinson's age. Yeah, even I then, knew I thought Cronulla's treatment of John Morris was disgraceful. Well, he's doing a pretty good job, I thought. Only with a crap roster, with Shane Flanagan put together of, you know, Matt Moylan, Josh Dugan, Andrew Fafita, they're, they're tough people to handle. You know, he lost Rodson Cherry, Josh Morris went. Mm. Still made the finals two years running. So why do you think that they got rid oh, of him? Personality clash. Okay. Personality clash with the management and with a couple of the players. A couple of players didn't like his tough calls. Moylan didn't. Um, Moylan. Moylan didn't. Might didn't like being told that his contract was in jeopardy. Fafita mm. didn't like being told to go and play at Newtown. So, yeah, he made tough. So calls. the players had too much power. You think? Oh, yeah, in a way, and there was a personality clash with senior management there, Dino mm. test from Steve Mace. I liked your article about um, why some clubs are, are so successful. You're talking about the business side of things. Well, Jack Gibson said winning starts in the front office. Yeah. The clubs that are most successful now, you look at Penrith, right? I looked at their team last week and 15 of the 17 were locally produced players. Yeah, wow. Who have they imported? Billy Kickow came from the Cowboys, hadn't played an NRL game there. Do you know what I mean? They're, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, they're all local boys, apart from two of them. Mm. The Santa Momorowski, who was a swap deal. You think and it's Cape the area? Cape or is it what the, the systems no, but, that they've got? Well, they were, Gus Gould did a very good job, but yeah. they, they've been patient. They haven't signed any big-name superstars from outside. Then you go to Melbourne Storm and you look at their recruitment. You know, in the last 10 years, the highest priced import has been? No, who? Dale Finucane. They paid him $250,000 to get him from Canterbury. Canterbury chucked in one hundred and fifty. Every other player there started their NRL, apart from Addo Carr, who'd only had nine games, started their NRL from the system. He was a bargain. System. Yeah. He signed for 120. I'm going to do a story on this. He signed for 120 grand after nine games. Do you know what Cameron Munster signed for? No. In Brisbane? What do you reckon? Have a guess. I would have thought at least, you know, I don't know, 400, 450. $5,000 traineeship in 2014. Worked in the membership department, played footy. That's unbelievable. $5,000. You know what Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater? $45,000 players. Brisbane, but that said, Junior Foodie Cup. Look, they had to back the coach anyway, but they don't go second coaches who've made the finals yeah. two years running. Morris had just started the Melbourne system of bringing these great kids through. Storm and Penrith, there was no, and the Roosters, Roosters are going like this too. Yeah, what are they doing now? Sam Walker, 18, Joseph mm. Swali, 17. Mm. They've got no juniors, but they're bringing them in through good recruitment. They'll play their first NRL at the Roosters. The days of checkbook premierships are over. Mm. And that's, you need man, good management. 
Yeah, and it's lacking. <laughs> it seems like there's a few well, basket case clubs out there. There is. So yeah. I wrote there, you wouldn't have them run the meat tray, Raph. <laughs> well, you wouldn't. Some of them, mate. Yeah. And how do they get in these positions? I don't know. Well, I got into journalism failing the spelling test. <laughs> so, Actually, I think I read something about why you're called Buzz. Oh, I used to be a pest, like flies, and there was a more teenage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. from those days when you were yeah, trying yeah. to get into journalism? Yeah, yeah. So I do you see. think that works, though? What? Just being a pest and just really going after a goal? Oh, you just never give up. And, you know, I tell anyone going to any career, you got to be hungry and you got to show initiative. They're the two important things. Mm. Like when I started, when I was 17, I had to give up going the, out and I gave up a social life. Yeah. Because I put my hand up to work Saturdays and Sundays because guess what? That's the days they play sport. Yeah. So it meant not going out Friday nights and not going out Saturday nights. Look, obviously you would, and I made up for it during the week. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You've yep. got to be hungry. You've got to have initiative. It's you, competitive out there, right? A lot of people want to be sports journalists. A lot of people oh, want to yeah. play footy. Yeah. It, it's a really, really tough business to get into now. Yeah. But there are some good people, particularly at the Telegraph. Yeah. And um, – it's one of the exciting things I've had in my career is being able to mentor young journalists yeah. and bring them through. And yeah, because look, you know, I'm only going to do another two or three years, and then oh, uh, really? Oh, I'll be sixty-five. Mate. That's a breaking story, guys. Oh, no, no. <laughs> everyone will be cheering. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I won't be. This will break records. <laughs> um, oh, so two or three years? You really, oh, you well, really believe that? I'll semi-retire when I hit sixty-five. You know. What do you enjoy the most? Is it the papers or is it like NRL 360 or the radio? I enjoy breaking stories. Yeah, okay. I get a real kick out of breaking stories. That's Being what drives first, you? beating Widler, beating Webster, is beating Chalmers. Hey? Is it competitive? Well, like, yes, it is. They're great journalists. one-up them? Yeah. I get an enormous kick. I say to coaches all the time, they're not happy with the story. Why'd you write that? I said, oh, you know why? I say breaking a good story to me is like you're getting two points every weekend. Mm. It's my job, breaking yep. news. That's all that, you know, that's what we do. And the day we stop breaking news, we become irrelevant. Yep. And um, I get an enormous kick out of that. But I like TV now. You're good at it. I've I really had, enjoy it. I've found out I've got a much better relationship with uh, the punters now. I'm on TV and they actually mm. see your personality in this sort Right and black and white, your thoughts and your scandal and your stories and all that, you know. No, that's interesting. How long have you been doing that for? I've only doing it five years. You know, oh, I've been on it for sixty-five years. You know, like seriously, I, uh, I, I just was more suited to newspaper. Did a lot of radio too. You know, you've really reinvented yourself a few times, haven't oh, you? We have too, mate. To yeah. stay modern, to have, stay have relevant. Other sports journalists not been able to do that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Have you yeah. noticed that in your career? That other. What, but what if I decided that I wasn't going to use social media? And like a lot of people said, get off Twitter. How long have you been on Twitter for? Oh, since, you know, 10 years or whatever. And there's a lot of people, you know, in your generation that would just be like, no, I'm not going on Twitter yeah, I know. or I'm not doing this. A lot of people wouldn't go on the internet and run blogs and, you know, and it's really important. Even what we're doing here right now, I, find, I really enjoy and I find very important because you're getting a nice little reach and, um, you know, I appreciate it, mate. No, I, I, it's it's really good fun. Yeah, you're absolute yeah. superstar, mate. Oh, superstar. please turn it up. <laughs> I might get you to do my PR. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they really enjoy NRL 360, and I think you're um 
You're actually the calm one on that show, mate. There's a few. Well, uh, it's not hard. Is it? yeah, <laughs> it's not hard. Um, do you have a good relationship with all those blokes? Yeah, we do actually. We have a lot of fun in the green room. I've yeah. had my moments though, like with um, Kenty. Last year we had a falling out over something and didn't talk there for a little while, you know. But you know that's what I love about that show is nothing is manufactured. Mm. It is genuine disagreements, genuine different views. Someone said, oh, Kenny was yelling at And I said, well, I was getting my say. Mm. Oh, I didn't agree. It was terrible, what Kenny said. And I said, you know what? We're balanced. Mm. He's got one view. I've got another view. We're balanced. We're giving yeah. both sides. It's great That's to watch. That's what people love. I've actually – And um, it's genuine. We don't walk in there and manufacture all this and say, Kenny, you say yes, I'll say no. Yeah. Mate, if I said the sky was blue, Kenny would say it was red. <laughs> We just disagree on everything. Yeah. It's great to watch. It's great television because I actually I, – I'm quite busy, you know, running businesses and yeah, podcasts yeah. and whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So I don't actually have as much time to, to yeah. read articles. So I just watch NRL 360 most nights and that's actually yeah, my downtime. Yeah. Rate, but you, you're up to date. very well. It rates very well. Yeah. So keep it up, mate. I love no, it. I'll keep going there. But as I say, I'll semi-retire in about a few years, you know, and um, been up for a long time and, yeah. See how it goes, but yeah. Well, mate, thanks so much for making the time. No, if people mate, want to really follow nice. you, how how can they go about doing that? Is oh, Twitter the best place? Yeah, Twitter at Buzz Rothfield, I think it is. Yeah, or you know, um, I run my email on my column each week. Yeah, cool. Check out the Daily Telegraph website for breaking news. You know, we we got a great staff there. It really is, and I know it's really funny. Um, our job now is to sell subscriptions. Yep. People don't like playing. For, for their news online, but these are the same people who have always paid, walked into a news agent or had the paper thrown over their fence. And But it's a thing that if you want 24-7 breaking rugby league news, you've got to be a Telegraph subscriber. Mm. And we work really hard and, you know, our company, you know, in, insists we've, we've got that brand where we are the – the go-to place for news, and I'm not. I'm talking team changes. Talking to we were first online with judiciary the other night. We we're just quick, we're fast, we're accurate. Yeah, you know? cool. Is that a big enough plug for the telly? You reckon? I think it's fantastic, <laughs> mate. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'll be signing up, mate. I've been I've been putting it Good up. All, you. all your articles are bloody um, premium ones. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but um, yeah. no, it's been no, fantastic. Well, thanks for having me. You, I really, really appreciate. A lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. All the best, mate. We'll chat soon. Good on you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to keep up to date. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at the Prosper Podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.